Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic. It's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health slash save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health slash save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health slash save. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Brianna Cunningham. She's the founder at Code. As the founder of Code Technology, Brie Cunningham oversees a company that develops products designed to collect patient outcomes data. As a health transitions from a fee-for-service to pay-for-performance reimbursement model, it's imperative that physicians are able to demonstrate the value of the services, particularly when it comes to surgical interventions. The key to demonstrating value is having validated patient outcomes. All health providers recognize the need to collect both pre- and post-intervention outcome data for surgical patients. The challenge is actually operationalizing it. In her role, Bree runs the day-to-day operations and technology and draws on her extensive healthcare experience and entrepreneurial skill to develop the firm's strategic business plan. She also manages the organization's leadership, oversees sales and marketing, and develops and maintains relationships with advisors and investors. She seeks to provide healthcare institutions with simple solutions for collecting patient outcome data. So this is Bree. Really excited to have you on the podcast and uh, would love if you could just fill in any of the gaps of the intro that I may have missed. Welcome. Thank you. And thank you for having me, Saul. No, I think that um, that did a great job summarizing the day in the life of, if you will. And uh, as far as my healthcare background, I'm, I'm a nurse by trade. So that's, uh, that's really what inspired me um, was my bedside nursing clinical days. Love it. What particular area of the hospital? Trauma, trauma, ICU. Wow. All right. You like the hardcore stuff. I really do. I really do. Nursing, <laughs> and nursing is so fun. So I, I got into nursing very young and I did ER as well, kind of went and would float, would do various aspects of the hospital just to get my learn on. And then did the travel nurse thing for a while, which was just fantastic and learned a lot about the different ways that um, medicine is practiced in different areas of the country. And it was a blast. That's really neat. That's really neat. So definitely, in, it's in your DNA, this uh, ability to, to have to shift in the moment. Entrepreneurship was something that really worked for you. So why did you decide to get into the medical sector to begin with? It's funny. I, I saw that question. And the answer is, I just always knew. I, ever since I was little, my dad was a, um, a firefighter in Phoenix. And um, my mom was in the Air cool. Force. And I used to spend a lot of time as, as a young kid in the firehouse. And my dad said, as long as my grades were good, I was allowed to go on every call with him. And I just loved it, man. The call I would go off and all the medical calls I loved. So it wasn't even really like a choice. or I, mean, I, I never really debated. It was just, I'm, gonna, I'm going into medicine. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat. That's really neat. I love it. So really, really cool that professions that your folks were involved in, and then you just went for it. 
And so you've been in it for a long time now uh, in the healthcare space. What do you think a hot topic that needs to be on leaders' agendas today is? And how are you and your team at Code addressing them? Yeah, so I think value. I mean, I know it's a very trendy buzzword right now. You can't go to any conference without hearing about the shift from fee-for-service or volume to value. And the reason people are talking about it is because it really is important. And it goes beyond just you know saying value. It's, it's really, how do you measure it? What is your organization going to do about it and with it? And then how are you going to incentivize and reward that? And so it's a complicated subject, and, but it's also really fun. You know, I feel like if you, if you look at the past several years in healthcare, you know, there was this really aggressive shift, you know, where fee-for-service was identified as, I don't want to say being evil, but having a lot of room for improvement. And so much work was done through meaningful use and, and just really cost containment. So cost containment has happened. And now we're kind of in this where I view it as the middle of, all right, what do we do next? And now it's time to really shift. Cost containment has happened, then what? Let's increase value. As a clinician, as a provider, it's not super exciting to me to just hear, okay, we cut a bunch of costs, Right. What I know I want and and the physician leaders out there want is to be able to provide better care increase, you know, better care at a lower cost. So that's where I I think is very important right now. That's a topic that every medical leader um, should be focused on. And there's a lot of work to do on on that subject. And so to answer the second part of your question is what is our organization doing about it? Well, we do a dang good job collecting data. So patient reported outcome data is is so necessary. It really is the backbone of of value-based healthcare. It's in the value equation. It's the numerator. (laughs) And the thing is, is it's not easy to collect. It's a real pain in the butt. It's a logistical nightmare. So where our organization helps is really our clients can outsource the entire data collection process to code and sleep comfortably at night knowing that they have a sustainable and reliable mechanism in place for getting them that critical piece of data that they need to make a difference. I love it. Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult, right? And so you guys have decided to hone in on orthopedics then. We have. So as of now, ortho is definitely our, our, our real focus. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, we have been in beta with cardiac for quite some time now as well. And we, we, are, we are mingling in a few other different modalities. And definitely when you look at our one, three, five-year plan, um, see ex- expansion outside of ortho. So there's a couple of reasons that ortho really became our main focus. One is just in my clinical background as a trauma nurse, I dealt with a lot of ortho and was doing a lot of ortho research. Mm-hmm. Um, I also happened to be married to an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, <laughs> so, so we're kind of an ortho household. <laughs> um, and then and then thirdly and truly probably the, the you know the most important reason from a business standpoint is just the economics surrounding ortho. Total joint replacement surgery is the most expensive elective procedure that um, that payers that payers are facing. And we've got this with the baby boomers, we've got this titanium tsunami of patients that are in the market for a total joint. So really that has been a big driver as well. Love it. No, that's really great uh, distinctions there. And I totally get it. And so, you know, for the folks listening, Bree, I think there's a lot of misconceptions, right, about about how do I do this? How much time does it take pre-op, intra-op, post-op? Well, not really intra-op, but post-op, really pre-op mm-hmm. and post-op. So what are some common myths that you would dispel and how do you guys help enable that's a great question. So a couple of things related to that. So it's interesting there, you know, this isn't, our company is early to market, right? Mm-hmm. We, we were really into PROs before they were cool, <laughs> way yeah. before, way before CMS and the CJR program, before BPCI started incorporating PROs. So when you, when you get down to it and you look at just the really nerdy science behind it, 
patient reported outcomes are awesome. There is so much value in this. This isn't just like a, a survey, like a Disney princess survey that you take on Facebook, right? These are validated, rigorously tested tools that give you a quantifiable result. So there's a lot of amazing science behind it. So I think that that's one of the myths that we have to, that we have to dispel is that this isn't just an HCAP survey or a patient satisfaction survey. This is truly a tool. And you know, I'll use like a who's and who's example here is I can look at somebody walking down the street and guess their who's score, right? Um, It's like a Myers-Briggs. So I think that that's one of the big myths to dispel is this isn't just some random survey. This is a really important clinical tool. The other myth, I wouldn't even necessarily say it was is a myth, so I might be going off topic if you need to rein me in, Saul. No, this is good. Don't hesitate. Good. No, it's all good. <laughs> um, but I was actually just giving a talk down in Florida on this subject. And you know, so patient-reported outcomes, there's a lot of really cool things. It's really fun from a science standpoint. It's great. But as it's become part of this financial equation, and as organizations are being, for lack of better words, forced into doing this, right? So it's not the free will of, I really want to collect this because I care, I have a reason to, it's that it's mandated, and there's a financial incentive. It really kind of has tainted, it's lost some of its luster, especially on that day-to-day clinical level, because it can be a pain in the butt. So I think one of the things that we try and do as an organization is to get people back to really making outcomes cool again, right? And understanding the importance of it. I also think there is a lot of work to be done, Saul, in defining what a good outcome is. Do we use the delta? Do we use the overall score? What are the appropriate intervals? And I think it's so critical right now when you would ask what the most important thing medical leaders can be doing. I would even say particularly surgeon leaders should be doing mm-hmm. is getting involved and helping define what these metrics should be. They're the experts in this, right? Give them the data, let them put it to use, let them define what the actual metrics should be for defining a good outcome in, in orthopedic surgery. Cardiothoracic surgeons have, have um, done a great job pioneering this. They have a sophisticated registry where they even worked with consumer health to help define those metrics, right? So rather than consumer health building something, they got together and said, okay, as an organization, as surgeons, what do we believe the metrics are? What is good look like? And then they got consumer health to get on board with that and report those outcomes. So that's where I really would encourage people to get involved. Love it. Great message there, Bree. Appreciate you dispelling some of those. It's definitely uh, uh, an interesting topic of conversation and, and one that's warranted uh, that, that deep dive. Tell me a time when you had a setback as you guys have put this technology, this platform together. What did you experience as a setback that has made you guys better? Okay. Yeah. I mean, so gosh, you've experienced a lot of setbacks also. Um, specifically to this product line or this ortho line, Yes, I would say that one of the big setbacks or challenges that we had is that, again, we started collecting well before government mandates happened. Then the government mandate happened and where I um, was surprised was just this opportunistic approach that so many other organizations would have. I mean, at that time, there was Code and a few other companies that collected a, a PROs, but um, overnight, it felt like everyone and their mom had a PRO company, right? Or implant companies, yeah. um, like every striker and everyone just came up with a, a module for collecting outcomes. So that was really challenging is, is, is really this influx of market penetration from potential competitors. So that was really big. Mm-hmm. The next for us, and this for me, I would say just, I, you know, I got into this very, in, a, in a very pure way and that I really care about what we're doing. We're a very vision, mission-driven organization. And naturally, when the government mandates what you do, 
there's opportunity in that, right? Right. Went from being just this kind of cool thing that people would sign up with code because they had research dreams to, I have to do this. So we rode that way and it was fun and it's good for the business. But what we really learned over that all is that you pick, have, making sure that people, that our customers align with our values, right? And mm-hmm. it's a totally different model and service model for signing up with someone who's kind of checking a box to meet a government you know, mandate versus p- someone that really, truly cares about value, how to measure it, and how their organization is going to utilize that data and incentivize and reward it. So it's just a different mentality. So one of the, the big challenges that I had to, that we had to make as an organization is, is looking at that and really kind of defining our target customers and what that looks like and, um, and making sure that we stayed really focused on not just this really shiny, you know, market that was mandated to use the product, but making sure that we were focusing our energies on the long-term customers that we really knew were going to care, right? Yeah, so, yeah, that's definitely key. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that happens there, right? The noise of the mandate and just kind of filtering through that to find the signal of your actual customer. Sounds like you guys did a really great job of that. It's, it's proved to have given you guys more strength and focus. And I think it's an it's a awesome thing. So that leads to the next one. What's been one of your proudest experiences to date with the firm? You know, I still think the proudest is going to be yet to come. I wrote my notes here is maybe is some of those hard is I put some hard decisions and, and you know, yeah. what we just went through was an example of a hard decision where it's, do I, I, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this revenue opportunity, which is very compelling, but saying, is that the right target? And that was a hard decision. And I, I would say that's probably one that I'm really proud of making and um, definitely had made code really fun again. I mean, we love love working with our clients on how to take their data and just maximize the value of it. And it's really at the heart of what we do. So um, I'd say that's the proudest thus far. Love it. So why code? You know, I, I think I like the name, you know, at first it gives you the, the feel like, okay, they're coders, but then maybe medical billing. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I'd love well, to hear your philosophy. Saul, let me tell you, I am good at, <laughs> there are things I have strengths, but, and I have weaknesses and naming conventions is one of our, my weaknesses. If you look <laughs> at the like, basic, like even like our, our internal processes, like I should, I've actually since been banned <laughs> from, <laughs> from being able to name anything. So get this. So That's code funny. actually stands for, like it's an acronym that stands oh. for clinical outcomes and data engineering technology. Nice. So when the first product, that we launched with code was actually a cardiac arrest app. Huh. Is that <laughs> so right? it was the same concept. It was a, it was a tool that was used by clinicians that, um, to help document um, cardiac events. And then that data would be, was rolled up into a registry. So because a, a cardiac arrest in a hospital is known as a code, I really wanted that name in um, there. Chalk yeah, that up. Yeah, yeah to a yeah. poor, one of the many poor decisions I have made. And, and then once you get so far deep, right, it's just like, I can't really change this. And maybe, you know, healthcare needed another acronym. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. But, uh, but that's the story behind code. That's cool. No, I get it. I get it. And, and uh, you know, I was curious about it. And, and it, it's fun to know the history of, of kind of how, how that happened and where you started to play and the pivots. And uh, that's why I love having these conversations to hear the story behind what's actually happening. Tell us about an exciting project you guys are working on today. Yeah. So I would say the ones, oh gosh, we, our registry has gotten so robust, right? So it is, it's huge. And now that we've been around for five years, we have five years worth of data. So we're talking about just 
just, I mean, it's like a treasure chest, right? So we have a lot of really fun research projects that we're working on right now, or I don't even say formal research, more just, um, you know, retrospective analysis. And one of the topics that our team is having a lot of fun with, and a lot of our, our, our clients are having a blast with is robotics. So we're doing a lot of robotic surveillance. A lot of these products, you know, your, your Mako, your Navio, they're quite new. So yeah. there isn't, there isn't a beefy amount of long-term outcome data on them. So now that we're approaching this, you know, three, four year mark with that data, it's been really fun to kind of do some proactive implant surveillance. So implant surveillance is one of the, I would say, ongoing things that we do that's a lot of fun. And particularly right now in the robotic area is something that gets our team fired up every day. Yeah, that's really interesting, Bree. So, so in the in the four years, what have you found in a nutshell? You know, is our robotics working? Is it better? What have you found? So, I would say we can have a great offline discussion about that. <laughs> Fair <laughs> and enough. And I would all, I would also <laughs> say that um, I do believe that we have a couple of our clients that are going to have some really game changing papers that will be accepted to next year's academy. So, uh, cool. I think June is the deadline for those abstracts, and we're seeing some very, very interesting things. So, so yeah. Well- we will set the hook with that, folks. <laughs> and if you're curious about the work that Bree and her team at Code are up to and to figure some more out, reach out to them. We'll be providing links to the company as well as best ways to get in touch with them and Bree. So getting close to the end of the interview here, this is the lightning round and I've got a couple questions for you followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Track outcomes and analyze the data. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not staying in the know, right? So just kind of going about your day-to-day without um, staying up to date with relevant topics that are around you and then just not collecting data. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Persistence. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Our vision. Love it. And I've got two other ones that are more on a personal note. What is your number one health habit? Oh, lately I've been super into the Peloton Sol. Oh, yeah? On the train, the commercials, they they reeled me in. Yeah. um, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm 24 weeks pregnant, but you better believe I'm I'm, I'm getting after after that bike these days. Amazing. (laughs) Wow. Good for you. Well, thank you. Cardio is not my jam at baseline. I I, I like more kind of high-intensity training. Yeah. But, you know, as I get older, the heart health is a real thing, right? It's huge. Yeah, Peloton. And it's interesting because, I mean, you don't even have to leave the house to do it, which is amazing, right? Gosh, it's so amazing. Yes, I love it. Huh, good for you. And one thing that I started doing is uh, yoga from home. I have a yoga instructor. That you do? We, yeah. They, we, like, a, like a human or like a video? Yeah, a human. No, like we do uh, Zoom yoga. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I'll have to look into that. I was a huge yogi back in the day. I, I, love, I love yoga. Good and I got out of practice, if you will, as we were kind of bouncing around the country for my husband's end of his training, his fellowship. Yep. So I have, I have dreams, Saul, to get back into yoga. I might have to check out the Zoomable yoga. <laughs> Something to think about. <laughs> and how about your number one success habit? I mean, consistency. I'd say consistency. Yeah. It's showing up is easy. And especially as you kind of transition from the garage brand, you know, band startup, right, where it's really yeah. fun and there's a lot of energy to this day-to-day grind, I'd say consistency is key. 
Love it. And what book would you recommend to the listeners? So in the healthcare realm, I'd love to read. I read a lot. So I would say redefining healthcare is a staple. You know, read it, love it, <laughs> carry it around. Um, yep. And then said, from a leadership, healthcare leadership standpoint, it's old, but I think that it's tried and true. And that's Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Leader. So little cubby book. Yeah, some great recommendations. Oldies but goodies. And uh, folks, if you want to get access to all of this interview, the full transcript, the short notes, as well as a list of links to all the resources that we have covered, go to outcomesrocket.health and in the search bar, type in Bree Cunningham. That's B-R-E Cunningham or type in code in the search bar. Bree, this has been a blast. I've really enjoyed the conversation with you. And I'd love if you could just leave us with some closing remarks and the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you and continue following your work. Awesome. Well, so thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I agree. And I'd say from a closing remark standpoint is there is a lot of work to be done in healthcare. It's a fun and exciting time. And let's make it happen. It's a hopeful time, challenging, but hopeful. And then to get in touch with me, my email is Brianna at codetechnology.com, or you can message me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive on there as well, and I would love to hear from you. Outstanding, Brie. Thank you so much again, and looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 